Today we are uh, continuing our series on the book of Genesis. Um, I <laughs> kind of said last week, I focused on Genesis 1-1, and we did an entire sermon on just that one verse, and uh, I kind of promised that I would not do a whole other sermon on uh, on just one verse, um, but I, I kind of lied. We're going we're gonna to do that again today. Today is going to be a whole other sermon just on one more verse of the Bible, but it is not Genesis 1-2, as you would expect. Um, I think Genesis 1-2 is a, uh, it's, it's a really awesome verse that has a lot in it, but I have actually already covered a little bit of that verse on a YouTube video that I have on my personal channel. So um, if you get a chance this week, I would encourage you, uh, just find, you can find my channel, it's under my name, Nicholas Griffin, you can find it on YouTube. Look up the very first video I put up where I I, I titled it, Why I Don't Trust Medical Advice. It's kind of an interesting title, but you'll see it has to do, it pulls pretty heavily from Genesis 1 to specifically. So rather than kind of treat that topic again, even though we had already talked about it, I'm going to encourage you to just to check out that video. Um, if you're following Wayfarers on our social media, I'll make sure to post that video as well uh, as soon as the service is over. So if any of you want to want to go in and you want to do a deep dive on Genesis 1-2, you can do it on, um, on that YouTube video. I'm not going to try to, you know, just kind of recover the same topic. But last week, uh, I talked about Genesis 1-1, and my whole point in that sermon was that um, God's intention for from the beginning, when he, from creation, his plan, his goal was to bring these two separate realms of, of heaven and earth together. He was trying to bring those two realms together. I actually, just in my own Bible reading this week, found a, an amazing verse that I think uh, sums up that entire sermon way better than I did in the whole like 45 minutes that I was talking. There's just a really good Bible verse. So before I jumped into the sermon for today, I wanted to read this for you. It just comes from um, Gen- or Ephesians chapter 1. So it's, it's in the book of Ephesians, just the very first chapter. And here we see the Apostle Paul kind of summing up exactly what I was saying in last week's sermon. This whole point, this is what God's plan for humanity was from the very beginning. It's Ephesians chapter 1, and it starts in uh, verse 7. And this is where the Apostle Paul says, In him, as in, in Jesus, in him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And then this is the interesting part, verse 9. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, the end of it all. And this is the thing he says, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth. God is connected with light. I was thinking about the concepts of this uh, sermon uh, earlier, and it, it reminded me of a time whenever I was a teenager. I mentioned in some of my other sermons that I grew up in the church. My uh, father was a minister, and many members on both sides of my family have been. And uh, so I was involved in the church from a very young age, and from the time I was a teenager, I started helping in my church youth group uh, playing in the band. And one of the most fun parts about playing in the band for my church youth group was that after practice was over, we were the only ones left at the church. It was just us. There was nobody else there. And so we had a free reign of the entire church building to do whatever we wanted to do. And I have some kind of crazy stories about post-band uh, ch- post practice shenanigans. But uh, there was a particular uh, game that we used to always play, a game that many of you have always heard. We would, just, we would play hide-and-seek. It's a game that a lot of people play. But what was really, really fun about playing hide-and-seek 
in a big empty church building often at night is that there's a lot of places to hide and that sort of like added darkness makes it um kind of creepy but like in an in an exciting interesting way and so we would have these kind of just <laughs> epic hide and seek games it was it was a lot of fun we we would, we would hide all over the church and the sanctuary and all kinds of different places and uh there was one particular time where we were uh we were we were just all hanging out after band practice and my friend Kyle that I mentioned to you all earlier um he was he was running away from somebody he was trying to run away and in the craziness of it all he jumps he goes to open one of the doors at the church it's a glass door and he doesn't open the door he just goes through it <laughs> what i mean he goes through it is he just goes through the glass completely shattered the glass <laughs> completely broke everything it was terrifying <laughs> to all of us and it was one of those moments where you know you 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 kind of you, you like go you check with him you make sure he's okay once you find out he's okay everybody just starts laughing at him <laughs> it was just the funniest thing and as soon as we're done laughing we all kind of have that like oh no moment where we're just like are we going to have to pay for this? How are we going to fix? This is like a plate glass window for our church building that we had just shattered because of one of our, you know, dumb hide and seek games that we were playing in the middle of the dark at this church building. There were so many just crazy scenarios that would happen during those times afterwards. But the the main thing that I always noticed is that in the in the darkness, um everything is just extra creepy. It's, it's, it's especially creepy and church buildings especially can get really, really creepy. I don't know why. I'll never forget as we, as we would play some of those games, there's this one particular hallway in our church where runs right by the nursery. And I swear one of those times when I was walking right by the nursery, I looked over and there was like a, uh, (laughs) there was a, um, like a, a, um, rocking chair like in the nursery and uh it kind of looked like the uh (laughs) the rocking chair was rocking but there was no one in the rocking chair (laughs) and again it's the middle of the night it's dark the darkness plays tricks on you (laughs) i may have just been seeing things but ever since that moment that was kind of the end of a lot of those games for me whatever that moment happened we we really didn't try to hang out too much at the church um at nighttime and so in the darkness, you, I don't know, your eyes play tricks on you. You see kind of crazy things. But in the light, you can, you can kind of see, you can see everything clearly. And that's one of the things that uh, I really do think is a defining characteristic of God. God is light. There's no darkness. He's not playing any tricks on you. You're going to see things clearly. You're going to see things exactly as they are. I think that's really important to know that that is the character of God and should be the character of God's people as well. This has been one of my issues with a lot of the current scandals that we've had in the church. Um, We have seen a lot of very high-profile pastors who have had moral failings, and uh, they have tried to hide child and sexual abuse in their churches. They have tried to not come out and be upfront and honest, bring things to the light. They've tried to hide those things for the sake of of the reputation of their church. And that's something that's always really, really bothered me. It's especially bothered me because God is light, What is what John said. In him, there is no darkness. God is light. And in his people, there should be 
no darkness either. That's what the whole entire book of First John is is about. I would encourage you. It's it's a it's the shortest book. It's one of the shortest books in the New Testament. You go go read it. You will be enlightened and really be able to see that point that he is making. There should be no darkness. We should be upfront. We should be transparent. And that's something that we're really trying to do here at Wayfarers. So, you know, I'm trying to be honest with you guys. We're, we're having technical difficulties. We're still figuring it out. Um, I, I I just believe in being upfront and being honest with you. That's something that's really important to me. And I do really want to kind of quickly point out, I, I've been going back and listening through some of my past sermons and realized that sometimes it can sound like I'm a little critical of existing churches or other churches. I, I find myself often saying the phrase, other churches will do this, and I don't want to do that. And I just want to make it clear to you all, I, I, I love the church. I love all of these churches. Any criticisms that I have of any other churches is because, because I love those people. I know lots of people that are involved in those churches. I'm not trying to call them out for any reason. But if anything, I think if we are followers of Christ, we should be called to the highest possible standard. And that standard is a standard of total transparency, bringing everything out into the light. So that's just something that I hope you can plant, you can, um, you know, just kind of bank on here at Wayfarers. That is important to us. We want to be, we want to be completely transparent with you. We want to bring things out into the light because we think that that is the way that God is. That is how he created things from the beginning. And that's how we should be as well. But I did want to end with just one kind of quick point about uh, that the the way that God created again. Like I mentioned at the beginning, God created by speaking. He brought things into existence by just speaking them. The words of God are one of the most important things. This is, uh, I mentioned earlier that the, the book of Genesis sets up all of these themes, all of these concepts that you're going to see repeated over and over and over and over again. And this is one of the very first times we get God speaking something and it having incredible power. His words have power. Speech is one of the most important aspects of God. He is a God who speaks. That's actually one of the very most important things to the early Israelites. When they, when they would kind of make fun of the gods of other cultures, they would, they would make fun of the fact that these other cultures, they had, they had idols. You know, they had these little statues for their gods. And the big thing that they would always say is those gods can't speak. Those are just pieces of wood. Those are stone. Those are clay. Those are gods who are mute, who cannot speak. But the Israelites could claim our God is a God who speaks. And when he speaks, there is power in that. That's one of the incredible things about the fact that we have the Bible. A lot of people take for granted the fact that in some, uh, that every religion should have like a, a holy book, a book of God's words somehow in it. But the reality is outside of Christianity and before Christianity, there were not a lot of religions that had holy books. There were lots of pagan religions. There were lots of religions in the ancient Near East, in India, in all kinds of places. You can find lots of religions that were existed before Christianity, before Judaism. But what you don't find in those cultures is any sort of writings. You don't find any sort of holy book. Christianity in, and Judaism as well is a, is, a, is a religion that is focused on a God who speaks to us and records those words, those words of his, the word of God is recorded in scripture. And that's something that I never want to take for granted. The, the, the fact that God speaks to us. He is a God who speaks. 
But speech is not just important for God. It's also incredibly important for us, for human beings. We are made in God's image. I, I, I personally believe that a big part of what it means to be made in the image of God is that we also speak. Our words are something that really sets us apart. It sets us apart from all of the, the animal kingdom, every, every other creature, every other creation that God made. They, they can communicate. They can, they can sort of express things, but they cannot speak. We are the only ones of God's creation that can speak. And that speech is incredibly important. Now, there is, uh, I had this moment whenever I was a teenager where I was, uh, I was sitting in Sunday school and, I, and it, was, it was one of these moments where uh, I don't know that the teacher understood what she was doing. She was just kind of explaining a particular concept and uh, she did it in a very nonchalant way that ended up really uh, scaring me in the long run. Um, if you know anything about me, you know that, that may, that's, that's not that unusual. I'm kind of an anxious person. It's easy for me to get worried about stuff. But I remember this being one of the the very first times where a particular passage in the Bible worried me. And it's a passage that has worried a lot of different people. Um, and it's a passage where Jesus speaks about a particular sin that he calls the unforgivable sin. It's the only sin, the only one that he describes that he says cannot be forgiven. He explains, he uh, goes into it in detail in, the, in, in Matthew, and, and I'm not going to go all the way in detail in it. Again, it's, it's, it's a controversial verse that's hard to explain. This week on our deep dives that we do every Wednesday, our goal is, uh, is to, to unpack this verse a little bit. So if this is a verse that's bothered you, I'd encourage you to tune in on Wednesday. Um, I, I really feel like I have gotten a lot more peace, a lot more understanding after reading through it. And, um, and, and I'm going to try to explain that a little bit this Wednesday. But one of the key things that uh, is mentioned in this unforgivable sin, Jesus says that the unforgivable sin is what he calls uh, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. That is an unforgivable sin, he says. And my teacher was just, my Sunday school teacher was just kind of talking about it, didn't explain what it was, just left it there, and then left all of us middle schoolers to freak out about the possibility that maybe we had committed the one sin that was unforgivable. I think part of the reason we didn't understand it is because that's a word we don't use a lot, blasphemy. I don't know that I use that word in my everyday life. Um, and so it's, it's, it's uh, incredible to me that Jesus actually clarifies a little bit. He, he, at one point he says, anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. But then he, he, he follows it up. He, he clears up what he means by that. And what he says is anybody who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. Speech is involved in that unforgivable sin, which is crazy to me. The, 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 there's, it's just the only sin that, that, that is described in the Bible as a sin that can't be forgiven, and it is a spoken sin. It's a sin that you speak. That's what Jesus is explaining. Blasphemy is, is, is speech. It's, it's this hateful speech that you will speak against the Holy Spirit, against the Holy Spirit of God and the work of the Holy Spirit. And again, I'm, I'm going to explain that in more detail this Wednesday. If it's something that's bothered you, I would encourage you to check it out. And I would also encourage you, if it's bothering you at all right now, that's a really good sign that you have not committed this sin. <laughs> the way Jesus describes this unforgivable sin is that the people who commit it are people who are not concerned about offending God. They're so not concerned about offending God that they would be willing to speak these hateful words against him and against his Holy Spirit. And there's this other thing that Jesus says where he specifically says, out of the overflow of your heart, 
That's where your mouth speaks. What your heart is full of, what your heart is filled to the brim with, your words are the overflow of that. The things that we speak are the overflow of what our heart is full of. Personally, that has been very convicting for me, especially in this season as I've, I've looked around and I've seen a lot of my Christian uh, friends saying some very hateful things, often online, often on social media. A lot of times I don't think that we consider the fact that our words have so much power. In the same way that God's words had the power to create, I think we as human beings who are made in God's image, our words have that ultimate power Two, our words have the power to commit this one sin that Jesus describes as unforgivable. And our words also have the power to confess the lordship of Jesus Christ and be saved. It's interesting to me that in the book of Acts, when you get uh, the apostles explaining to somebody what must they do to be saved, what they tell that person is they say, believe in Jesus, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and confess with your mouth and you will be saved. Salvation also involves speech. And I don't think that that is by coincidence. Again, our words have the power of life and death. Our words are very, very important. And Jesus, in fact, at one point says that we are going to have to give an account to God for every single word we speak. Every careless word, he even says. We're going to have to face God and we're going to have to give an account for it. For everything we say everything that we speak, because our words have power. In the same way that God created through speech, that power is uh, the, the, the power of words, and we have that power as being made in his image as well. But the encouraging part about it, because... <laughs> I, know, I don't know about you, but I know that I have said a lot of things that I do not want to have to give account to God for. The, the, the encouraging part about all of this is that God's word is, a, is, is something more than just this abstract idea. Again, the Apostle John, he focuses a lot on light, but he also focuses a lot on speech. In the very beginning of John's gospel, what he describes is this concept he calls the logos, which means the word. It's a Greek word for the word. And in my mind, this is, this is very closely also connected with speech, with the things that we say, with the words that are unique to only human beings. And he says that the word, the word of God, has become flesh. That's how he describes the coming of Jesus. It's the word of God made flesh. And the incredible thing is that when the word of God has become flesh in Jesus Christ, we find that um, we have just kind of the ultimate revelation of exactly who God is, exactly what his character is. We can see it in Jesus Christ. We see the fullness of everything that God has been talking about, everything that God has desired for humanity. We see that fully and completely in Jesus Christ. And the encouraging thing about Jesus Christ is that he has, uh, he's a forgiving Lord. <laughs> he's a Lord that understands that sometimes we uh, do not have control over our tongues. <laughs> he forgives us for that. But the encouragement that I want to give you today is that he also 
is the one who can give you the power to reign in your speech and be somebody who speaks words of life. Somebody who speaks in a way that, um, that brings light to the world, not more darkness. I think a lot of the people today use their words to bring chaos, to bring darkness, to bring disorder, to divide, and to hurt people. And I think one of the key things that we can see with Christians is that Christians should be people who follow in the footsteps of God and who use our words to bring light to the world. And that's my encouragement to you today. As you, as you go forward, I want you to be thinking about that. I want you to be thinking about the fact that, that God is light, in him there's no darkness, and that our words have power. God created through speech, and our words also have incredible power. And that's something that I just I, I, want, I want to be at the forefront of our minds as we go forward. Let's not be those people that just have a careless words that we use to hurt people, but let's, let's have... Um, words that bring light and bring life. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for your, your mercy and your forgiveness. Thank you for your understanding in the ways when I have spoken in ways that I um, am ashamed of and that I, I know I'm going to have to give account to you for. I want to ask you, Lord, for me specifically, that you would just help me to to speak words of life that bring light into the world. I want to ask you for for just all my friends and family that are that are here gathered with me or that are watching on this stream. I would ask that you 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 do that for them as well. You you help them to to realize the power of their words, and you help them to control those words and have those words be words that that are powerfully bringing light and life into the world. Thank you for um, just the, the the majesty of your creation, the wonders of, of the light and life that you bring. And I ask that you just help us to lean into that life that you've called us to more and more every day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.